Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Zen Buddhism by the Numbers, number four. The four noble truths. The third truth, cessation of dukkha. Mumankan case 14. Nansen cuts the cat in two. Nansen Osho saw monks of the Eastern and Western halls quarreling over a cat. He held up the cat and said, if you can give an answer, you will save the cat. If not, I will kill it. No one could answer and Nansen cut the cat in two. That evening, Joshu returned and Nansen told him of the incident. Joshu took off his sandal, placed it on his head and walked out. If you had been there, you would have saved the cat, Nansen remarked. Muman's comment. Tell me, what did Joshu mean when he put the sandal on his head? If you can give a turning word on this, you will see that Nansen's decree was carried out with good reason. If not, danger. Muman's verse. Had Joshu been there, he would have done the opposite. When the sword is snatched away, even Nansen begs for his life. So the second and final day of session. It's too short, isn't it? Just, just beginning to enter into this. But that's the way. Whether it's too short or too long or just right, you can count on it changing. You can count on it going away. So I thought I would dip back into Soen Roshi and some of his sayings and teachings. Again, germane to the topic at hand. This is from a series of talks that he gave on Rinzai, explaining the teachings in the Rinzai Roku, the record of Rinzai.
He's explaining the final moments of Rinzai's life when he sat in Zazen posture, surrounded by his students. And as it's recorded in this translation of the Rinzai Roku, when the master was about to pass away, he seated himself and said, after I am extinguished, do not let my true Dharma be extinguished. Sansheng, his successor, came forward and said, how could I let your true Dharma be extinguished? Later on, when someone asks you about it, what will you say to him, asked the master. replied San Sheng. Who would have thought that my true Dharma would be extinguished upon reaching this blind ass, said the master. Having spoken these words, sitting erect, the master revealed his nirvana. So the topic for today is cessation of dukkha, which is just another way of saying nirvana. Another way of saying cessation of dukkha or nirvana is extinction. Going back to the fire sermon, a fire that has burned itself out, completely burned itself out, nothing but ashes, that's extinction. All the grasping, all the burning, all the impermanence, all the lovely dancing flames, gone just gone. Rinzai enters his nirvana. Nothing more to teach. Nothing more to experience. So what does this have to do with the blind ass? So in Roshi, digressed quite a lot and finally said, I said I would explain blind ass, but I still have not done so. This is a most important matter. There are four or five kinds of blindness. There's physical blindness, and then there's mental blindness. Most people are mentally blind Blind, that is, in their thinking. For example, they believe that life and death are different, that self and other are different. When they realize the true oneness of this universe, this mental blindness will cease. 
Mental blindness is the most familiar and popular form of blindness. Then there's another kind of blindness called in Japanese jikatsu. This is the blindness of religious teachers, ministers, monks, and priests, who, though blind themselves, presume to lead other blind people. This is a most cruel blindness. Blind people preaching and leading other blind people astray. This is Jikatsu. I myself am blind in the sense that I know that I don't know anything. For example, take this cup. I have the prop already. Take this cup. We all think that this is a cup. But is this a cup, really? As human beings, we name things, cup, book, arm, etc. But to tell you the truth, what something really is, is unthinkable, untouchable, ungraspable. This world is an untouchable world. We think this three or four dimension world is the whole world, but it is really only a very little part of the whole. Reality is unthinkable and untouchable, okay? This world is so wonderful, so unthinkable and ungraspable. What are we touching right here now, Bodhidharma said. I don't know. This is true blindness. I don't know. Super blindness. And this is the meaning of blind ass as Rinzai applies it to his successor, San Sheng. In using this expression, Rinzai is bestowing the highest possible praise on his successor. And so smiling, he passed away. Like the golden ox who met with fire last night, Rinzai passed away, having become completely extinguished, having melted, melted away completely, without leaving a single trace, with nothing of himself remaining behind. This is an occasion for the highest celebration. Rinzai's true Dharma has been completely extinguished by his successor. All right. Completely extinguished. We usually think this is something bad dead, completely dead, completely gone, something bad. But what do we know? This cup, we call it a cup, but what is it really? What is this cup? Earth, clay, 
fire, the fire of the kiln. And where does this clay come from? Where does this earth come from? From the extinction of the stars, from the stars nirvana. The stars completely exploding, completely dying. And in this complete dying, all the elements are formed, including the elements of earth, the elements that make this cup. And where does this fire come from? The fire that fires this clay to make it solid, to make it strong and whole. Ultimately, it comes from the sun. The sun is constantly undergoing this process of combustion, just like we are here, this combustion is burning away, burning away, burning away. And in this burning away, our lives are formed. Without this burning away, without this combustion, no fire. No fire means no life. No plants, no trees, no human beings. No beings of any sort. So this is this cup. Pure extinction. Pure combustion. And we think, we look at this cup and we think, Ah, look at this, look at this form. But where's the utility of a cup? How do you use a cup? It's the emptiness that makes it useful. It's what's not there that makes it useful. How can you fill a cup without emptiness? How do you get any service from a cup without emptiness? So what is a cup? And the same can be said of everything, everything. If you think you know something, look deeper look at how much you don't know. And even when you've looked deeper, look deeper still. And the deeper you look, the more you realize, I don't know. I don't know. There's so much more, so much more that I can't even imagine. That's a kind of blindness that we can use. I don't know. There's so much more. Look inside yourselves. 
There's so much more in there. In each one of you. Endless, endless. One of Soen Roshi's favorite phrases was endless dimension, universal life. You hear it in our dedication. But he used it all the time because that's what we are. Endless dimension, universal life. Look inside yourself. Look at all the people who have lived that have contributed to who and what you are. Look at all of the creatures who have lived and contributed to who and what you are. The plants that you eat, the animals that you eat, each one giving their all, sacrificing it all so that you could be here. Just like the sun sacrificing itself so that we can all be here. Endless. Endless gifts just to make this and this. So how does Nansen cuts the cat in two relate to any of this. As is customary, I'll talk a little bit about the protagonists in the koan, give you some sense of their history. It's hard to really appreciate a good story without knowing a little about who's in the story. So there are two figures in the story, Nansen Osho and Joshu. Nansen Fugan Zenji was the teacher of Joshu Jushin, amongst many other monks. He was himself a student of Basso, who had many, 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 I, I don't recall the exact figure, over a hundred Dharma successors. One of the giants of Zen. Every Zen lineage is in some way traceable back to Basso, whether it's Soto or Rinzai, Basso is the father of all of us. Nansen is not in our lineage, nor is Joshu in our lineage, but they are such 
seminal figures in the history of Zen and so important in the literature of Zen that they might as well be in our lineage. So many of the koans that we read and study are traceable back to these two. Nansen figures in a dozen koans in the Blue Cliff record, the Hekigan Roku, and five koans in the Muman Khan, the Gateless Gate. Aside from the present koan, case 14, there's another story about Nansen and Joshu when Joshu was still quite young. Joshu was only 17 when he met Nansen and became his disciple. He went on to study with him until Nansen's death some 40 years later. And early on in their relationship, the following dialogue occurred. It's told in the Muman Khan as case number 19, Nansen's ordinary mind is the way. And Joshua asked, what is the way? The way is another way of saying Buddha Dharma or Tao. What is, what is the point of all of this? What is the, what's the story? What's the basic teaching? What are we trying to get at here? What is the way? Ordinary mind is the way. Joshua asked, shall I try to seek after it? Nonsense said, if you try for it, you'll become separated from it. Joshua said, how can I know the way unless I try for it? Nansen answered him. The way is not a matter of knowing or not knowing. Knowing is delusion. Not knowing is confusion. When you've really reached the true way beyond doubt, you will find it as vast and boundless as outer space. How can it be talked about on the level of right and wrong? With these words, Joshu came to a sudden realization. And I'll talk a bit about that after a bit of refreshment. The ordinary mind is the way. What's ordinary mind? This right here, right now, this is ordinary mind. Eating, going to the bathroom, going to sleep, paying your bills. That's all ordinary mind. the mind that is awake. 
functioning is ordinary mind. Shall I try to seek after it? This question already makes it seem like ordinary mind is something other than what I already have. Just like Buddha nature. You already have Buddha nature. But because you think that there's something called Buddha nature that you don't have, you're trying to get it. If you think that ordinary mind is something other than this mind that you're dealing with right here, right now, then you're separate from it. If you try for it, you'll become separated from it. The harder you try for it, the more separated from it you'll get. Because you keep thinking there's something something that I have to grab, something that I have to grasp. And in all of this effort, there's no ordinary mind. How can I know the way unless I try for it? The way is not a matter of knowing or not knowing. It's too vast. How can you know it? It's too intimate. How can you not know it? Knowing is delusion. So when Roshi said, I myself am blind in that I know that I don't know anything. I know that I do not know anything. That knowledge of not knowing is purchased at great cost. Not knowing is delusion. Knowing is delusion. Not knowing is confusion. So pick your poison. When you've really reached the true way beyond doubt, when you're as intimate with it as tasting your tea and knowing whether it's warm or cold or stepping into the shower and knowing whether the water is hot or cold. That's being beyond doubt. When you have really reached the true way beyond doubt, you will find it is as vast and boundless as outer space. How can it be talked about on the level of right and wrong or birth and death or this and that? or a flag moving or the wind moving. How can you talk about it in terms of duality? It's too vast for that. That's like calling a cup a cup. 
when we know that the cup is the sun and the earth and all of the stars that have given their lives It's just too vast. It can't be known. Unknowable, unthinkable, ungraspable, unborn, undying. Known only in negation. Because any positive statement you make about it falls so far short. And another occasion, this is case 27 in the Mumankan, Joshu was asked by a monk, is there any Dharma that has not been preached to the people? Is there any teaching that hasn't been taught? There were many, many teachers and probably still are who make a big deal about secret teachings, stuff that's only for the initiated, stuff that is only for those who have reached a certain level and you don't talk about it with anybody else. This was certainly very true in Taoist practices, things that were just kept from everybody else. They were the secret teachings only for the initiated. Is there any Dharma that has not been preached to the people? Do you have something you're holding back? Is there some secret here? Nansen said, there is. The monk getting a little bit greedy says, what is this truth that has not been taught? Senses. It is not mind. It is not Buddha. It is not things. If it's not mind, it's not Buddha, it's not things, what is it? Unthinkable. Ungraspable. Somehow, I don't think the monk was very happy with that answer. <laughs> Unthinkable, ungraspable. But it's already yours. That's the secret. I'll give you one more nonsense story. This is case 34 in the Mumon Khan. Nonsense, reason is not the way. Nonsense, who told Joshu, ordinary mind is the way, now says, mind is not Buddha. Reason is not the way. 
So if you think that you can hang your hat on ordinary mind is the way, nonsense is going to take even that away from you. Because all you can do is keep taking it away. Whenever you think, ah, this is it, I've got the teaching, I understand this. If you understand it, that's not the teaching. Niels Bohr was once asked about quantum physics. And he said, if you think you understand quantum physics, you don't understand quantum physics. <laughs> That's just, just like this. You think that these words are going to enlighten you. Then I've got a bridge I'd like to sell you. <laughs> Reason is not the way. Mind is not Buddha. Ungraspable. Unthinkable. After 40 years, so Chaku said, I feel like I'm just now beginning to understand Buddhism. Just now beginning to understand. And what I understand is that I don't understand anything. So why are we doing this? Because we are stuck. And the unstuck condition is called nirvana, the cessation of dukkha. And the way that you get unstuck is you exhaust yourself. You exhaust all of these questions. You exhaust this endless searching. Until you're no longer trying. You no longer out there trying to hang your hat on anything. You become comfortable with the vastness, the vastness of this empty reality, this empty world. And along the way, you do whatever you can to open your heart. To be kind. To do whatever good you can do. Because reason is not the way. So that's nonsense. His dates for anybody who's interested in such things. He was born in 749, more or less, and died in 835. Joshu, his student, 
was born in 778 and lived to about 120 years old. Died in 897. He began studying with Nansen when he was only 17 years old. Stayed with him for the next 40 years until Nansen died. When Nansen died, Joshu went on a long pilgrimage. So he was about 57 or 58 when Joshu died. And he didn't settle down in one place and begin teaching until he was 80 years old. That's pretty good to begin your teaching career when you're 80. But he had a long teaching career because he died around 120, so. <laughs> he is also very renowned and has many cases in the Muman Khan and the Hekikan Roku. The most famous of the koans involving Joshua, of course, is Joshu's Mu, which is kind of the entry drug to, for uh, people in the Rinzai tradition, at least in our lineage. It's the gateway drug. <laughs> Does a dog have Buddha in nature or not? No! No. Mu just means no. So this story occurred sometime after Joshua's enlightenment. As usual in these stories, we don't really know how old he was or how long he had been in the monastery, but he must have been, he, he already had his Kensho, he was already a mature student, um, and he was off out somewhere on errands, um, and he missed the main action of the story. Nansen Osho saw monks of the Eastern and Western halls quarreling over a cat. He held up the cat and said, if you can give an answer, you'll save the cat. If not, I'll kill it. So this story is a lot like the wind and the flag, except he doesn't happen upon monks who are arguing. He creates trouble. He stirs it up. You know, a good, a good Zen teacher has to be willing to stir things up a bit. They're quarreling over a cat. If you give an answer, you'll save it. If not, I'll kill it. Now, this doesn't have to be a cat. Maybe it was a cat, maybe it wasn't a cat. Maybe they were arguing politics. You know, the monks in the Eastern Hall watch Fox News and the monks in the Western Hall watch MSNBC. And they can't agree even on what the nature of the cat is. 
Well, there was a vote. Ah, it was rigged. No, no, it was perfectly legal. <laughs> Whatever the argument is, they're arguing. Which is another way of saying they are clinging with all their might to duality. To go back to the fire sermon, they have fire in the eye, fire in the mind, in the intellect. And the fire is fueling the passions, grasping, holding on to their opinion, aversion, anger, welling up in them over this stupid cat, whatever the cat is. Cat could be daylight savings time. I wish daylight saving time was permanent. I don't like this moving the clock around. No, 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 that's terrible. You know, you get up so, so late and it's dark outside when you get up. And, you know, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what the argument is about. But the cat makes a good story. Especially when you think of, you know, a Zen master who's vowed to save all sentient beings. <laughs> Picking up this cat with a knife in his hand. Say a word, or this cat is done for. And everybody, <laughs> and he takes the cat off with its head. So these monks have really just eaten fire. They've swallowed it whole. They're poisoning themselves with this fire. The fire of greed, anger, and delusion. Whatever their delusion about this cat is causing them to hold on to this opinion, to see themselves as important. Their ideas are true and worth fighting for. You know, it's this sort of thing which ends up with Russia invading Ukraine or Japan invading Manchuria and China. This absolute certainty that I'm right, you're wrong. And this is something worth dying for. And underneath it all is just grasping, aversion. It's all just a surface covering for this. All of the reasoning behind it. So in the evening, Joshu returns and Nansen tells him about what happened. And Joshu doesn't say, well, the cat was this and the 
you know, the Eastern Hall said this and the Western Hall said that. And they both have a good point, you know. It's, we, can, we, can, we can compromise and reason it all out. Joshu hears the story and just intuitively, without even thinking, does the most topsy-turvy thing he can do. He takes his sandal and he puts it on top of his head as if to say, everything's upside down. It's all nonsense. Puts his sandal on top of his head and he walks out. He doesn't think about it. He just does it. Just, this is crazy. But instead of saying, this is crazy, he shows it. And Nansen is really impressed. If you'd been there, you would have saved the cat. So what does this have to do with cessation of dukkha? What does this have to do with ordinary mind? If you have given up trying to understand, trying to reason your way into ordinary mind instead of just being ordinary mind. If you have completely burned out the fire, just burned it down into ashes and then poured water on top of the ashes, that's extinction. That's what Joshu's Mu is all about. Joshu's Mu is just a vehicle for you to burn yourself completely. Burn all your ideas. Burn everything you think about the Dharma is this or I'm that. The universe is this and woe is me and and I'm such a terrible Zen student. I'm such a terrible person. I'm, I'm this, I'm that. All of that, whether you're saying I'm the greatest or you're saying I'm the worst, it's just reinforcing all of this nonsense. It's exactly the same, bragging or denigrating yourself. It's the same thing. I'm useless. I'm this, I'm that. I've done all of these awful things. Burn them, burn all of them. Yeah, you know, learn from your mistakes, yes. But once you've learned whatever lesson there is to learn from the mistake, just burn it. Burn it. There's no point in holding on to it. Burn it without distinction, without praise or blame.
just gone, gone, gone. In the fire sermon, after describing all the ways in which everything is on fire, the eye is on fire, forms are on fire, awareness of the eye is on fire, eye contact is on fire, and whatever arises from eye contact, experienced as pleasure, pain, or neutral, that's also on fire. What fuels the fire? The fire of passion. That's another way of translating grasping or greed. Fire of desire, passion. The fire of aversion, another way of translating anger or fear. The fire of delusion, ignorance. The fire, I tell you, of birth, aging, and death of sorrows, lamentations, pains, distresses, and despairs. After explaining all of that, and as these texts often do, enumerating the same thing over and over again, it starts off with the eye, and then the ear, and the nose, the tongue, the body, the intellect, repeating all of the same phrases because they're applicable to every sense. These senses that Bodhidharma called the six thieves. Thieves because they rob us of our nirvana. They rob us of our ordinary mind, our extinction. Buddha says, realizing this, realizing that everything is on fire, realizing how dukkha works, how this unsatisfactory existence works, realizing this, the instructed disciple, that's each one of you, becomes disenchanted with the I, disenchanted with forms, disenchanted with eye awareness, disenchanted with eye contact and whatever arises from eye contact and just repeating the same formula, disenchanted, no longer under the spell, no longer possessed by, free, Disenchanted is another way of saying free. It's another way of saying, I don't understand anything. I'm not holding on to anything. It's ungraspable and that's okay. It's unthinkable. It has to be unthinkable. I'm free of trying to think about it. I'm free of trying to grasp it. It's just this, just this, nothing more, nothing added. Becoming disenchanted, disenchanted in the sense of 
no longer fooled. This is extinction. Extinction is nothing more than becoming disenchanted. During Rohatsu session in Japan, the monks, by tradition, stay up all night sitting. Why do they do that? It's kind of crazy, right? You can't think about anything if you're that asleep. I mean, so sleep deprived that you can't, you can't even care about anything anymore when you're that sleep deprived. And that's kind of the point. You get beyond caring. You get beyond trying for something. You get beyond trying to grasp onto anything or understand anything. You can't understand anything when you're that sleep deprived. You've just burned yourself completely. You burn to a crisp. You just don't care anymore. Dukkha? Right? You're just gone. You know, and sometimes it works. <laughs> sometimes it sticks. You get that and you say, oh, so that's what they're talking about. Ah. And sometimes it takes a lot longer. Go figure. <clears throat> But this becoming disenchanted, that's what that kind of crazy activity is about. Becoming disenchanted. Just gone beyond caring, gone beyond trying to figure it out, gone beyond trying to hold on to anything because there's just nothing left to hold on to. which is different from Joshu asking, should I try for it? Should I try to seek ordinary mind? No, you don't try to seek ordinary mind because that's, that's, like, that's like looking for yourself. You know, where are you gonna look? You know, you're either here or you're nowhere, right? You're either in ordinary mind or ordinary mind doesn't exist. You can't look for it. You look for it and then, you, you know, you're just making up a fairy tale. That's a, the opposite of disenchanted and disenchantment. That's entirely enchantment. You've made up a, some delusion of ordinary mind and you're looking for this delusion. Where do I look for it? How do I get it? No, you just sit and sit and sit and sit. No looking for anything. 
just combustion, just burning yourself out, burning out this fire, the fire of the eye, the fire of the ear, the fire of the tongue, the fire of greed, anger, and delusion, just burning it out. That's cessation. That's extinction. And that's all I have to say. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org slash donate. Thank you for listening.